Trouble sitting in jail in the Peter Paul Fortress in Petersburg. The uh, Goyim in the court heard about him. And they heard about his intelligence and about his knowledge and about his refinement. And the Poshet came to check him out. Different, different officers, different ministers came to check him out. We already discussed how um, the uh, minister of culture and religion became friends with the Alter Rebbe and how he helped Alter Rebbe and so on. But others also came. And at a certain point, the story goes, the Tsar came to the Alter Rebbe, the Tsar, the Tsar of Russia. The Tsar of Russia then, uh, Yekaterina, Catherine the Great, she was the wife of Petra. Her husband was Peter. And Peter was uh, an inbred fool. He was a king, but he was, you know, knew how to uh, play polo, maybe. <laughs> Couldn't run a country. So she, who was a German, she was a foreigner, she ran the country. She was a very powerful queen. And um, he died well before her, her husband. And she ruled, very, she was a very powerful monarch. When she died, her son took over. Her son was Paul. Paul. He lasted four years. Four years. During those four years, Al-Tarab was arrested twice. Had it been a different king, would Al-Tarab not have been arrested? That depends if you believe in God or not. If you believe that the arrest of Al-Tarab came from Himmel, it doesn't make a difference who was the king. But from what I gather, he wasn't the smartest guy in the world. He was killed in a coup d'etat, I'll get to it later, and replaced by Alexander. I always understood that Alexander was his brother. And uh, it was explained to me that he was not his brother, it was his nephew. I, I, I don't know the Russian history, I'm sorry, I don't pride myself on knowing Russian history. But whatever the case is, he was a ruler for four years, and during those four years, Al-Tareb was arrested twice. So he came to see the Al-Tareb, his name was Paul, Pavel. And he came disguised as an officer. So when he walked into the Al-Tareb, Al-Tareb got up for him. He got up for Melech. He says to the Al-Tareb, what are you doing up? It's the middle of the night. They used to put these prisoners in cells with no windows. They had no natural light. Everything was artificial. And it was done for the purposes of disorientation. In other words, you would literally forget what day it is and how many days had passed and so forth. And uh, he said to Al-Tareb, it's the, it's the middle of the night. Al-Tareb says, no, it's afternoon. He says, how could you tell? So we answered him that it says in Chazal. When Meish was in Har Sinai, he knew it was day or night based on the... If the Malachim said Kaddish, he knew it was day. If the Malachim said Baruch, he knew it was night. It's based on the parts of the, 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 the Avaya, which is functioning. This hour, I know exactly what time it is. He knew the time, but he knew it was middle of the day. Parenthetically, there's a story that, you know, today we take a watch for granted. You know, my watch is off by a minute, by half a minute, you know. We have watches connected to computers, connected to satellites, right? That's 849. This is connected to who knows where. I mean, it's off by seconds, you know? And they're trying to make timepieces which are even more precise. So in those days, there's no electronics at all. There's only mechanics. And uh, a precise watch was very, very hard to find, very expensive, and it was a big deal. And it was a prize, you know? Watches and clocks were a big, big deal. You know, people are still giving out watches and clocks. Because they used to be a big deal. Today, a watch on the clock is garnished. In any case, so Daltreb had a watch on his table. And he had a chassid, who was a businessman, who had purchased what was considered then, it's over 200 years ago, a modern watch, a modern timepiece. And his time, Daltreb's time, were off by a few minutes. So when Daltreb walked out of his room, he changed the time, he fixed it. Daltreb walked in, took a look at his watch, and he said, who changed my time? He knew right away that the watch was touched. So the chassid said, I did. 
The reason I did it is because I have a modern watch, a very modern watch, and according to my modern watch, you're off by a couple of minutes. Al Rebbe said, no, no, no. And he corrected his time. He says, my watch is set according to the Patsuf Malyeinim, and now is the time that what's present my watch, that's the correct time. Your watch, I don't know what, but what's present my watch, I'll push it out. Rebbe set his clock. If you can set your clock by Patsuf Malyeinim, why do you need a watch altogether? Yeah? But this is the story. The other thing is that the, he said to, the case said to him, you're giving me honor that you give a case. And if you give a, a sad, an officer, a minister, the honor to give a case, it's, it's Medina B'malchas, Nechayev Mis. So Alter Rebbe told him, no, you are the Tsar. You're not an officer, even though you're dressed up like an officer, you're the Tsar. And he says, and I can tell, because it's known that a Melech comes along with the Malach of the Medina. Every king comes along with the Malach, with the angel that governs that particular country, the Tsar of that particular country. And uh, with you came in a Malach, Vestu, so I know you're not the Tsar, you're the Melech. And obviously this made quite an impression on Alter Rebbe. Alter Rebbe sat in Peterburg for a Parvach for 53 days altogether. During this time, he was called to various investi- in, in, in interrogations. He asked all kinds of questions. So the story is, Al-Tarabah came into a room where there was an interrogation. They had these big rooms with tables and many different people sitting and writing and smoking cigarettes. And al walked into the room and instead of walking towards the table where he was supposed to walk, he took a detour, he walked around. There was actually a trap door that if he had walked straight, he would have fallen. This is one of the intimidation techniques that they used to use. That there was a floor that looked flat, but it really wasn't flat. It was done through some kind of an optical illusion that you would walk and you would fall. When a person falls, they get shaken up physically, but they also get shaken up psychologically. And it makes them more vulnerable to answer questions more precisely, the way they wanted to answer the questions. Al-Tarebbe walked in and walked around. So when he sits down, the uh, examiner realizes that Al-Tarebbe checked out the terrain, as they say. So he says to Al-Tarebbe, why did you walk around? He says, Apostolic Leif Chacham Liyamin, you're supposed to go to the right. <laughs> so he went to the right. <laughs> this was his explanation. They asked Al-Tarebbe all kinds of questions. All kinds of questions. And there's a lot of stories that are told by Hasidim historically about the questions Al-Tarebbe was asked. In the Beis Rebbe, there's all kinds of questions and so on and so forth. Again, I want to underscore what I keep on telling you that in our history, there's a lot of confusion between the first and second arrest. They tell stories, but, and they may be true. Emphasis on the word maybe. But I feel it to lay the MS. When they happened, it's very, very difficult to know. Did it happen by the first arrest? The second arrest is very difficult to know. So the male, the stories that we have, Sidon's stories that Fidikab himself tells. And the Fidikab doesn't tell a lot of stories about Al Rebbe's arrest. He really doesn't. But the Rebbe's arrest we know mostly from the base Rebbe. It was made by a chassid about a hundred years ago. A chassid named Hillman made it. And it was based on the traditions that people had from the earlier generations. But now they found the cross-examination pushes. They found the al file. And you could see what they asked him in the first arrest, and what they asked him in the second arrest, and what he answered. But dio, you know, exactly. So now we know exactly what the first arrest was like. We know what the second arrest was like. We know the difference between the first arrest and the second arrest. The biggest difference, again, I've told this to you earlier, the biggest difference between the first arrest and the second arrest is that when the Alter Rebbe was taken the first time to Peterburg, the government of Russia that arrested him really were not sure why they were taking him in. They had no idea. They took him in because Hish ben Baruch, who we don't know, Adayim is who he was, wrote two notes of libel that Alter Rebbe is forcing his followers to give him money, and he's using the money to build an alliance with the Turks. 
So the government was groping in the dark. They were cross-examining the Al-Tarebbe, asking him questions about Chassidus, and asking him questions about the Misnagid's objections, without the help of a Misnagid. So they were on their own. And it's reflected in the kinds of questions and answers that the Al-Tarebbe was asked and gave. The second arrest was Ben Chaim. Ben Chaim is Chayimovich in Russian. And this is Avigdir. Avigdir was the Pinskerov. He was probably a big Tamachochem. By today's standards, he was a very big God. It was a whole different world. He was a very, very big Misnagid. And he was in Petersburg and he presented the questions. He was the one who had, he was a very big Misnagid. He, he had Al Tarebbe thrown out. He, he was a Russia. He was a, he was a gun. But he, he hated Chsidim and for real. Now we're talking about the first arrest. So we'll stick to the first arrest. What's interesting is that most of the stories that we have relating to the Al-Tarebbe's cross-examination are not in the printed text that we now found. So some people say that the stories of Poshet Baba Maises, they're not true stories. Other people say, and that seems to be more likely, Bet 11 writes this when he prepared these cross-examinations in the footnotes, the government prepared official questions. Al-Tarebbe said that he doesn't want to answer the questions orally, he wants to answer the questions in writing. Al-Tarebbe apparently was deficient in Russian, or at least he acted deficient in Russian. He came along with a translator, to translate on his behalf. So the Al-Tarebbe asked if it's okay if he writes his responses. And they allowed him to do it. So the Al-Tarebbe sat down and wrote, he answers to all of the 23 questions that they asked him. What if his Hasidim translated it? We have from the first arrest, the original. From the first arrest, we have Pasha Dalta Rebbe's own hand writing the answers. From the second arrest, we don't have so much of Dalta Rebbe's original. We have the Russian translation, which has been retranslated into Hebrew, and it's all printed now. And you can see what the questions were, and you can see what the answers were. People are assuming that there was a cross-examination, they asked him official questions, but there was also discussion. In other words, if you go into any courtroom, right, you're being asked questions, and Derechaga, if someone makes a point, someone asks a question, so it's conceivable that the questions that we hear about and the stories that we're told, um, it's not the pshat, they didn't happen, but they happened bahavloh. The, the, the questions that he was asked were the important questions we have a record of. But the things that came up in the course of the conversation, these ideas are not recorded in the Russian record, but they had actually occurred. That's all kinds of questions. And of course, the essence of it is, and I suppose there were several big issues. And again, what happened the first arrest, what happened the second arrest, is hard to distinguish. They asked him about Israel. He was sending money to Israel. Russia and the Ottoman Turks did not get along. They were both empires. They were both empires. And there was a lot of competition. And the idea that a Jew living in Russia was sending money to Palestine, and somebody suggested that he was trying to make some kind of a collaboration with the Turks to help overthrow the Russian government, which is the most ridiculous accusation. It's such a stupid accusation. Russia is so big and has so many people. What's a ra- but this was the accusation. It was something that he was very... This bothered the government. What's his, what's his relationship with, with Etchisrael, with the Ottoman Turks? Another issue which became very prominent by the middle era was they, they tried to give the impression, the Misnagdim did, that al was an extortionist. That he was Makara these people, like a cult, you know. Makara these people, young people mostly. And then they run home and they steal their parents' money and they bring it to al It's an exaggeration. They had Naden, which their parents gave them when they got married. And the Naden was supposed to be used for Hatariske for business. And they gave their Naden to the Alter Rebbe. So they gave them the Guild. And they tried to give the impression that I was an extortionist. The Mittler Rebbe, this was his big deal. When the Mittler Rebbe was taken to jail, the 
we found now also the documents. Amobi didn't have them. They printed, Bet 11 actually printed a whole book of the Middle Rebbe's file. The impression is that the government was concerned with how the Middle Rebbe was collecting and dispensing of funds. What was he doing with the money that was at his disposal? How was he getting it from his Hasidim? And what uh, uses he was putting the money towards and so on. But with Al-Tareb, this was part of it. And of course, the third issue, which was very, very big, was the Masnagdim were trying to claim that Hasidus is a new religion. And because it's a new religion, the government of Russia has to officially announce as policy that Hasidim are not Jews. Russia didn't have a separation of church and state. In other words, in Russia, clergy were in effect government agents. If you were a Rav, you had official recognition by the, by the authorities, and you used to do the government's work. You used to register marriage, you used to mar- mar- register divorce, you used to register birth, you used to register death. And the government trusted you. And of course, there was a lot of impropriety. People used to play around with the books. Why? You didn't want to go to the army. You didn't want to pay taxes. If the Rav was caught doctoring the books, they would, they would throw them away. They would put, put, put them in jail and throw away the key. So it, it was a very responsible position, but also gave them a lot of power. So every community had its own governing body, head by the Rav, uh, with the government sanction, government support. They were able to collect taxes. And the money was used for the kihila. So it was, to the Misnagdim, it was a big deal to get the government to say that not hidden, and push them out of the community, it would have been very, very, very uh, deleterious. It would have been very, very bad for the Chsidim, practically, logistically, and also, you know, they're Jews, they're part of the community. And so much what al Reb is doing, if I'm not wrong, in both arrests, is argue and prove and say that Chsidim is the same religion, and al Rebbe goes further, he says, if anybody has changed from the traditions, it's the Misnagdim will change from the traditions. Um, the al Rebbe doesn't quote that many sources, he's talking to Goyim, he quotes periodically from certain Svarim, but he explains, that the Sefer called Cheves Halvavas, talks about Avedis Satfila, and what's Avedis Satfila, he uses the word heart, hearts, to connect to Rebbe and He says, and 200 years ago, said al Rebbe, Everybody who davened, but you prove davened the midhats. They want to have a connection to Mebish. He says, today, because of the new Rabbanim, the al speaks about corruption. He says, there's a lot of corruption amongst the Rabbanis, because Rabbanim are paying money to buy the position from the government, because they want to use it for their own interests, and for their own cover. It's all, of the, it's, it's all printed in the file. And they are suppressing any opposing voices. This tradition of davening has been placated, has been pushed aside. And instead, all they do is learn. And al Rebbe says, because they're lazy. It's easier to learn than to daven. And because we are doing what Jewish people have done traditionally, and they're refusing to do it, so they're discrediting us, because we, our davening, Ba'ariches, is discrediting them. That's what he says in effect. And he says, Jewish people always daven. He says, the Iker Achsidis is tefillah. The Iker Achsidis is tefillah. Vos mein tefillah, verbinden sich mit this is essentially the spirit of the uh, first arrest. The second arrest is much more scholarly. And what other issues are there? And again, it's very difficult for me to know what's in the first, I don't remember, what's in the first arrest and the second arrest. They started asking him, why Hasidim go to him? There's so many Rabbanim, every city has a Rav. Why would someone travel such a great distance to come to his Alter Rebbe? So the Alter Rebbe writes, the Alter Rebbe says, that not everybody can be makabah from every rov. He says, I do droshes, he said. This is not halacha, this is droshes, musr. 
And not everybody can give drushes. I give better drushes than other people. So people want to hear my drushes. That's why people come to me. They ask him if he takes money from people. He says, I bishum even do not take money from people who come to hear my drushes. But I do take money from people for financial arbitration. If people have differences on financial matters, and they come to Al-Tarebbe to be a, an intermediate, in other words, to resolve their machlaikis, and so the tradition is, I never ask, he says, but people offer me money, and this I take. People offer me money, he says, to be an arbitrator in their business affairs. This is what Al-Tarebbe was doing during his question. asking all of these kinds of questions. Now, of course, the stories that are given of about Peh, Eidif and the Maisis is, the Maisimit Af, it's a famous story, and I probably told it to you already. The Maisimit Af is that the Misnagdim gave a libel that the Vashemtev, when he would daven, would say Af, 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 all the time. And it was true, the Vashemtev did say Af in davening. And they claim that Vashemtev saying Af is from the word Charein Af, that the Vashemtev was trying to draw from negative forces, from angry forces. And the uh, Dr. was asked this question. But it's not, I'm making it very clear, it's not in the cross-examination file that they found. So either the story is pushed above a mindset, it's possible, or it's one of those stories that was given over about Peh. So the Alta... It was a judge, it was a judge, it was a cross-examination with a judge, yeah? Oh, there was a chassid sitting with him who was translating. So it could be the story is pushed Nishtemis. It's really very, very possible. But Abe says, Emes, it's a chilif in the Vimeyot, the Tedesh So the Alter Rebbe said, Demod, that he could have very easily lied and said that the Baal Shem Tev had an idiosyncrasy. Everybody has Meshagasim. The Alter Rebbe has, the Baal Shem Tev had an idiosyncratic nuance that when he spoke, he would, you know, like some people give a krecht. You know, people have all kinds of funny um, uh, idiosyncrasies. That's the right word. So the Baal Habits. Hashem said, "Af, it's his idiosyncrasy." He says, "But that would have been a lie, and if it would have been a lie, that would mean that for those few seconds, Al Tareb had to separate himself from the Hashem And Al Tareb said, "I did not want to cut myself off from the Hashem for an instant." Quote: And to explain to Goy what it was that Hashem was doing. Now the explanation is also brought down, and the explanation which is brought, and again, I don't know what of this is true is that the Baal Shem Tev was saying af instead of saying koif like koif b'vnei yodim Baal Shem Tev wanted to be made a lamailo that the Abishah should look at the tefillahs of Yidin of our times like the difference between a monkey and a person af af is not a word koif is a word and it's the Cheshmaf says that so the Baal Shem Tev was saying af and his kavana was that the Abishah should look at Yidin of our times this is over 200 years ago that when they're davening it's like a monkey a monkey davens whatever he does is very good because there's a monkey Compared to the Yidden of the earlier generations, it's Kaif Bibne Yadam. This was the this what the this what's brought down is Al Tarebbe's explanation. Again, I don't know whether this is true. But the other story which is very famous, and it could even be this story that I ever told by Fabrengen, but I must not show it. Very famous is the Maise with the question about Goyim. And again, none of this is in the printed documents. That Al Tarebbe writes in the soft Pedic Alpha Sanikadish. That a Yid comes, his Nefesh Baham did come from Klipas Negev. Shesh Bagam came to you. And the so they asked Al Tareba how you talk and he wrote this in Sevetani Kaddish. And Al Tareba laughed. Or smiled, didn't answer. The person who asked him the question wrote it down and that was it. He didn't push it. He didn't pursue it. Al Tareba says to this guy, Hezekhan, listen to him. You asked me many questions. 
and I gave you very, very good answers. Very satisfactory. Do you really want me to explain to you why Hushalka was Meir Zagamni? Or is it okay if you don't know this? And the guy decided that Taka, after Shalt's Wissen, that's how it's explained. I think the Alter Rebbe said over that the guy understood that he'd rather not find out why the Alter Rebbe said that a guy is Hushalka was Meir Zagamni. He was Mestama taken to a number of different cross examinations. And the cross examinations were held on the mainland. They were not held in the Petropavlovsky campus, they were held on the mainland. So of course we know the Bavuska Sipur, that he was once taken to a cross-examination or return for cross-examination at night. And al wanted Mechadish the Levon, it could have been either Cheshven or Kislev. And this was the only time that he was outside, because he was locked up in a cell with no windows. So he said to the person who was steering his little boat to stop. Because I'm talking about me. I was, I was in Petersburg. I was there. The Peter Paul Fortress is an island surrounded by a river, and the river moves pretty fast because the it, it's a big river, right? It's it's the Never River is being fed from a lot of streams of Virginia, and it flows out to the sea, and it moves quite fast. And when you have a, a, a rock in the middle of the river, in this case an island, the waters move even faster. So it was not, in other words, the, 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 you could swim from the mainland to the Pit of Pebbles. It's nothing. It's a uh, hundred meters. It's nothing. It's a little, I mean, I, I was there, so I, but the, the Iker security was the, the current, you understand? The Al-Tareba asked the guy to stop the boat. And the guy said, what do you mean, stop the boat? You're a prisoner. You have no rights. Al-Tareba said, I want to, I want to be Chalash Levana. So the guy, I'm not stopping the boat. So the boat stopped by itself. And the guy realizes that they're not moving. And again, it probably takes 60 seconds to go from point to point. Two minutes. It's not much nothing. It's nothing. It, uh, the Tainu Soviet, the building with Alter was cross-examined, the standing on the Yemazer. The Petapovsky is standing on the Yemazer. Could be they were rebuilt after fires. But you can see the distances. It's nothing. And then the boat starts moving again. And Alter says to the guy a second time, please stop the boat. I want to become Shlomo. So the guy saw that the Alter wants, again, the boat's going to stop anyway. He says, I'll stop the boat. And the you give me a brach. I'll tell him, I'll give you a brach. He says, I want to have the brach in writing. He says, in writing. He took a piece of paper and he wrote in Russian a bracha to this guy. And the toichen brach is that he should have hatzlocha for him and his family for generations. And I have a recollection that there's a picture of that page. Somebody found it. It's a picture of it. But I, that, that, I don't know. You know, there's a Russian line in the Altarebbe's handwriting. See, it's Altarebbe's handwriting. And a translation which says that this is the brach of the But I, I don't know if my recollection is imagined or real. But we do know from from Chassidim who met descendants of this man that they held on to this paper for generations. It was the most precious item that they owned was this little strip of paper, the Baruch of the And he stopped the boat, not that was Mechadosh Lomon. says, of course, the famous Sikh in the Lukut of the Burim, that Filikab asked the question, and the stopped the boat himself, why did he need the guy to stop it a second time? And the answer that's brought is because he now had to do a mitzvah with Maisa Nisim. A mitzvah has to be Darachateva. The first time the boat stopped was a Nes. So mainly he had to make the boat start going again and the guy should stop it and the guy should have the free will whether or not to stop it. And only then was he able to make the mitzvah. Um, you mean to stop even with, with that work out the current employer? I don't know. I'm not a sailor. I'm not a malach. Eventually the government of Russia realized a bunch of things. Number one, Al-Tatreb is a, an honorable man and a tzaddik. But they also realized that Al-Tatreb is incredibly powerful. They discovered that he has a large following and a very dedicated following, very loyal following, very committed. And uh, they had to let the Al-Tareba go, but they had to figure out how they could let the Al-Tareba go in such a way 
that their interest would be protected from his fanatics. Ukfishi is by Lakam. We'll get back to this later. This is really more connected to the second arrest and so on. Now, I had told you once upon a time that. Let me tell you one more story before this, yes? We know that when Al-Tareb was in jail, he was visited by the Magad and the Bashamtav and Al-Tareb. By the Magad and the Now, how do we know this story? How do we know that the Al-Tareb was visited by the Magad and the Bashamtav? How do we know? So there's a story to that also. And the story is that this, the story I'm telling you now is now what we're we talking, 1798. He was arrested at Tav Kufnun 1798. Some 14, 13, 14 years later, Al-Tareb ran away from Napoleon, the French-Russian war. There was a chassid, a gvir, a rich chassid, a wealthy chassid, who paid for the entire cost, her expense, of the Al-Tarebbe's escape from Napoleon. And he went with 60 wagons. It was an incredible uh, caravan. There was a lot of family members, all their belongings, Al-Tarebbe's Sfarim and Ksavim. It was a big deal. That journey from Napoleon. And there was one chassid who paid for it all. And Al-Tarebbe said to him, I want to give you a, a I want to pay you back. I don't have the money. And the Sahari told him, well, you can ask me any question, I'm going to answer. Hadeb should go hold from that the Mittal Rebbe got wind of this deal. The Mittal Rebbe used to plant questions on this guy, and he was coming and asking Alter Rebbe's shyness, all kinds of questions. So one day, he comes into Mount Merem, he says to Alter Rebbe, he wants to know if he ever saw the Baal Shem Tev Bahakit, if he ever saw the Baal Shem Tev awake. So the Alter Rebbe says to him, that's not your question, I'm sorry. That someone put to you. <laughs> so he said to the Alter Rebbe, we made a deal that you can answer all my questions, it was never stipulated that the questions have to be my own. Al Rebbe told him, yeah, that he met the Baal Shem Tev. There's another sequel that happened by Chayef and the Magid, which I told you, which is brought in the Rishimus of Chsidim. But this story is true. This story that Rebbe told, Al Rebbe said that he met the Baal Shem Tev when he was in prison. That the Baal Shem Tev and the Magid came to him in prison. And they came to Malubash and Aguf, to the Sikh of the Rebbe, Tashmevava, Zayish Hanukkah, the Rebbe explained. Since they came to Malubash and Aguf, they were considered that they were in this world able to pass in Halacha, even though they were in the Shemaimi. At Kedai Kach, that they come in Aguf, that the previous Rebbe went to Petterburg, and he went into the cell where the Rebbe was sitting. When he came home, his father asked him if there's enough room in that cell for three people to stand. Because the Rebbe Rashab understood that when the Magid, the Bashem, came to Mount Merebim, it was so much, but Gashmi is, and he pushed in physical space for these three people. And the Alter Rebbe asked them, why is he sitting in jail? And they, of course, told him he's sitting in jail because he made too much chsidis. Maybe some of the too much chsidis. So Alter Rebbe said, so when I go out of jail, I'll stop. So he said to him, no, 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 no. Now that you went to jail, when you'll go out of jail, there's tonoch meder. You should do even more than fatsu In other words, if you go to jail and you survive it, is a semen that Lamailak did, you were vindicated, you were made kosher. So if I cared, you should do even more. This is the famous story. Now the next thing we want to talk about is the Vilna event, and we'll talk about Tibet Hashem next time.